right. Mark chapter 13, beginning with verse 3. We read and preached from a parallel passage to this one in Matthew 24. Today we're going to hear the same words as, as remembered through the writings of Mark. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? End times is very exciting. Doom and gloom makes money. <laughs> if you don't believe it, just look at what Hollywood does with, with uh, some of its movies. It's very interesting, though, because we want to know the future. Who wants to know the future? When it, we want to know what's coming. So the Lord says this. He answered them. He began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and will deceive many. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now, brother will betray brother to death. And father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Today, I'd like to speak to you on what not to do in the last days. Tell your neighbor what not to do. Look at verse 5. Jesus said, Take heed that no one deceives you. Actually, I'm going to speak to you on what not to be in the last days. Tell your neighbor what not to be. The first not to be is don't be deceived. Take heed that no one deceives you. You know what the problem is with being deceived? Is when you're deceived, you don't know it because you're deceived. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and will deceive many. I believe that verse 6 can be applied in two ways. False Christ coming in the flesh. People saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the great prophet, I'm this, come follow me. I have the anointing that you need on your life. Give me $100 and you'll get my anointing, all that kind of stuff that's going on in our day and time. So there's people personifying as false prophets, but there's also the, the um, presentation of a false Jesus, not the real Jesus. People recreating Jesus in their own image. It happens all the time. Well, the God I want to love is a God that blesses me in my sin and doesn't want to correct me. The God that I serve is a God that isn't bigoted and does not have an elitist opinion. Problem with that is if you're fashioning God in your own image, 
you're not allowing him to be himself. When he says he's the way, he's the truth and the life, he's not being a bigot, he's just being honest. He is the way, the truth and the life. If your creation had fallen away from close relationship with you and you came and made the way for that relationship to be restored, all those who submit to that way receive the benefits of that, a restored relationship with God. All others, they're rejecting the way that he made. So it's not popular, but it's the truth. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Don't be deceived by other Jesuses. There are some that present a Jesus in the name of Christianity. One that promises you health, wealth, and no problems. That's not the whole picture. That's not true. And you're certainly seeing from this passage today, that's not the way Jesus presented things. So don't be deceived by false prophets. Some present a Christ that's coming back on a certain day because they know the day. Don't be deceived. You'll get discouraged, get disillusioned. There's people not in church today who read a book 17 years ago entitled 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ Will Come Back in 1988. 1988 came and went. They got discouraged. They've fallen away. They got deceived. Don't be deceived. Everybody say, don't be deceived. What not to be in the last days, one of the things, the number one thing is don't be deceived. In Matthew 24, he talks about people easily being offended. One thing that will make us right for deception is when we're offended. If you're offended, get your heart right. Don't twist the Word of God to fit your offenses, but get your heart right. Don't be deceived, even if you are offended. Get healed up. Number seven. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen. The end is not yet. The second thing not to be is not to be troubled. Don't be alarmed or afraid, because these things must happen. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines and troubles. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The word there for sorrows is the Greek word odin, which means birth pains. All that we see in the world, the conflict between nations, people groups, and even within families are birth pains. There's pressure to awaken man to his need for surrendering to the lordship of his creator. This is birth these are the beginnings of birth pains. This isn't the end. This is the beginning of the end. But the end isn't the end. The end is the beginning also. So this is the, these are the birth pangs. These things must happen. So don't be troubled. Don't be alarmed. Number nine. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake and for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. So we must be watchful. We must be ready to give an answer for those who are earnest to know the truth. We must be on our toes because persecution comes, in, comes our way in different forms in this country, but in other countries they experience this literally to the point of being beaten for their faith. So the second thing not to be is not to be unaware. We must be watchful. Don't be unaware. We are always a witness. We are always being watched. And we may be called upon, maybe not in quite such 
hostile circumstances. But we have a job to do. The gospel must be preached first to all the nations. And what we're doing here today is helping a poorer church in another country preach to poverty-stricken people who are not allowed to go to school, who are hated by their by the ruling race in that country, the gypsy people of Romania. In fact, they're hated all over the world. So, we must not be unaware that we have opportunities. Where we see problems, there are opportunities to share the gospel. And so, the problem there that the church has is an opportunity for us to come alongside and help. It's one thing to say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But if you're hungry, if you don't have socks to wear, if the basic necessities of life aren't being met, if there's, if there's no works with that good news, it's fairly shallow. So we're helping add content to the ministry of another church on the other side of the world. Don't be unaware. There are opportunities out there. If you get a ticket... And have to go to defensive driving. That's an opportunity. You can sit there mad all day long or look for who can I tell about Jesus today? Who can I encourage today? Don't be unaware of why we're here. We are here as a witness. We looked last week that God is not willing that any should perish. That His tarrying in His return is not because He's a slacker. But because He's loving. He wants everyone to hear the gospel. So don't be unaware of why we are still here. Matthew adds the words there, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations, then shall the end come. So the world has got to hear. And it is possible. The whole world has heard of Coca-Cola. The whole world hadn't heard of Jesus yet. So I know it's possible. Verse 11. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So the second thing not to be is not to be worried. The Holy Spirit will help us. The Word says He's our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He's the one called alongside to help. He's our power. He's our source. He's our strength. And we draw from Him in prayer, reading the Word, worship, and even through others praying for us, ministering to us the love of God. Don't worry. Trust the Holy Spirit. Verse 12 is bad news. And we see it happening every day, even in this culture. Brother will betray brother. To the point of death. A father his child. And children will rise up against parents. And cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated. By all nations. For my name's sake. But he who endures to the end. Will be saved. Literally that last phrase is. He who bears patiently. To the end. Will be saved. So the fifth thing not to be is not to be impatient. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he promised to never leave us nor forsake us. So we are in relationship with the world overcomer. Who's glad about that? 
So, don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. Don't be unaware. Don't be worried. And don't be patient. We are called at this point in history to serve God and to wait on His return. I don't like waiting. But you know what? We're called to do it anyway. He is Lord. We're not. Amen? Don't be deceived. Let's look at another passage that bears this truth out. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Timothy 3.1 Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers. Without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people, turn away. Some of the world's heroes at their award ceremonies give glory to God while the rest of the year they spread corruption and lust through the media, movies, books, even recordings. And yet when they get their award, I want to thank Jesus for giving me this gift. (laughs) They have a form of godliness, but they deny its authority. They deny its power in their life. Those are just words. From such people, turn away. Don't allow them to influence you. Get their posters off your walls. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away with various lusts, and always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The world we live in has factories out there that just generate and create newer and newer forms of deception. (laughs) And you can spend your life learning stuff. And it will not bring you closer to Jesus. It will not give you the truth. You can watch the E-Channel, read People magazine, subscribe to Arts and Entertainment, and learn a lot of stuff that has no eternal consequence in your life. Well, it could, I guess, for the bad. Don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Eric and Michael, I'll do the honors at the overhead projector.
Don't be troubled. These things must come to pass, Jesus said. Hebrews 12.25 See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now as he promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I remember a time when it was believed that tornadoes wouldn't hit urban downtown districts. Remember that? Something about tall buildings and all that. Well, they weren't, that wasn't true. On your map is uh, overhead is uh, a recording of earthquakes in the last 24 hours. 147 earthquakes. A map. The United States Geological Survey National Earthquake Information Center on their website posts this information. They estimate that several million earthquakes occur in the world each year. Many go undetected because they hit remote areas or have small magnitudes. The National Earthquake Information Center now locates about 50 earthquakes a day and about 20,000 a year. Jesus said in the last days there would be earthquakes in various places. A whole lot of shaking going on. How many hurricanes have hit our coast this year? A whole lot of shaking going on. Forest fires every summer. You put your faith in material things. You put in your faith in things that are shakable. But we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid. Number three, we're told not to be unaware, but to be watchful. Will we have opposition? Yes. Jesus promised it, predicted it. Will we have victory? Ultimately. He said to watch and pray lest you enter into or yield to temptation. So the opportunity to witness is not just telling people about Jesus, but it's also an opportunity to live the life in the midst of corruption. Don't be unaware. We're not in a popularity contest in the postmodern world. Everybody's creating their own reality. Virtual reality is an amazing form of technology, but... People, if they don't like what you have to say, they'll change a channel on you. Change a subject. Political correctness makes the gospel uh, incorrect in the eyes of the world. We live in a culture that is more and more anti-Christian. And arguing about the roots of our nation, as important as it is to understand that, 
but arguing and proving to them that the pilgrims were believers who helped establish a Christian nation won't get them saved. You know, accepting the Christian past of America won't take anybody to heaven. So, refer to that. Use that if you can. But the bottom line is they need Jesus. And when the, and when the truths they're believing in, they're, you know, that's your truth, but this is my truth. When their truth starts screwing their life up, then be there to share the truth and a helpful attitude that will bring them closer to Jesus. Number four, don't be worried. We have the Holy Spirit with us. Look at Matthew 6. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either we hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Literally, riches. You cannot serve God and all your stuff. If your stuff owns you rather than you owning it, and it has you tied up all the time being a steward of it, changing the oil, changing the gas, doing this, rotating this, rotating that. It's becoming your Lord. And, and Jesus is going to become a pain to you. Coming, coming on Sunday morning is a pain to you because you've got a boat that you've got to get out there and use on the water. And, and here's church again. And so it, just, it depends on where your priorities are. So therefore, if God is your priority, verse 25, He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Will worry in, improve your posture? If anything, it'll make you shorter. That's what's wrong with me. No. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory is not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Now, there are some Christians who believe that Jesus spoke in the ideal. We are to acquiesce to his stuff. There's even a book out called The Hard Sayings of Jesus, trying to make them more palatable. Jesus declared himself to be Lord. 
He declared himself to be the Son of God. He didn't back down from saying he was deity. This is God talking to us, and he's telling us not to worry. Now, how many have ever worried, and the thing you worried about actually didn't come about? I had one guy tell me, the reason I worry is when I worry and things work out good, it's confirmation that good thing I worried, otherwise it wouldn't have worked out. No. When I worry and things work out, I get upset at myself. You dingbat, why did you do that? This is what Jesus said. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. As we live in the last days, this verse has got to become more and more life to us. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Lyndon Maine Johnson, when he was president, LBJ, was asked some question. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? And he said these words. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Sometimes we spend all time and energy planning, and then when the time comes, all that time and energy was wasted because what you planned didn't work out in getting you ready for it. So, being foolish, obviously, using foresight is, is biblical, but worrying, getting all down on the dumps over stuff, is not God's will in the last days. Don't be worried. And fifth, number five, don't be impatient. Turn with me to James chapter 1. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Don't be impatient. It's a key to having our prayers answered. It's a key to walking in wisdom. And it's a key to developing in our character one final passage, Romans chapter 5. Jesus is coming back and all this shaking that's going on is He's not just getting the world ready to cry out for their Redeemer, but He's getting the church ready to be joined to her groom. He's purifying us. Changing us on the inside.
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance or patience. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Here's why we, we can be patient and we can trust God. Is if when we were separated from God, God was kind toward us. How much more will He be kind toward us now that we are in relationship with God? Ask that again. If when we were wicked, separated from God, living in sin, God demonstrated His, His love for us as humanity, all mankind in time and in space, before the cross and after the cross. If man had turned his heart against God, and God demonstrated His love by sending His Son as an offering for our sin, if God did that for us then, how much more do you think He will do to show His love for us now? He can be trusted. So we're called to walk in patience and perseverance. We are co-laborers. That's what He's called us to do. And I can't... I said that was the last passage. Can we just... We're just two chapters over. Romans 8. Can we just turn over to Romans 8? I want to read this again. Can't leave this alone when we talk about Perseverance. Romans 8.16 The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you're here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus, you do not know that you would go to heaven if you would die. You do not know that He's coming back for you. You can know it by the Holy Spirit if you'll ask Him to forgive you of your sins and put your faith in Him as your Savior believing that He died on the cross for you and that He arose from the dead as your Savior. You can know that today. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God. And heirs of God, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope, 
because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We're not the only ones being persevering in this thing. God is also being persevering. Creation is groaning, waiting for the redemption. We are groaning, waiting for the redemption. And the Holy Spirit is groaning. When I move something heavy, if this weighed a lot of weight, and I had to move it, with great effort I would move it, but you would probably hear some noises. Those who practice martial arts believe that shouting, groaning, Grunting actually helps produce more strength. As children of God, our spirits have been reborn. And we've made contact with God. And as children of God, our minds are being renewed. We're learning to think biblically. Learning to think in alignment with the commands of God. So our spirits are reborn. Our minds are being renewed. But our bodies are going to be redeemed or be replaced. And the older you get, the more groaning there is going on when you get up in the morning. What is that? You're joining in with the song of creation. You're joining in with the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus! Persevere! Amen? So, in closing, I've told you what I was going to tell you. Then I told you. Now I'm going to tell 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 you what I told you. Don't be deceived, don't be troubled, don't be unaware, and don't be impatient. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness. In the meantime, let God use you wherever you may go. In Chicago, Illinois, in the 1970s was an African-American church called Deliverance Temple. And in the inner city, they have to use different strategies to reach the people they're trying to reach. And this church has middle-of-the-night services. And they're also on the radio. So I've heard their services, and I've actually been there for their service. They have a service that starts 10 o'clock at night, Saturday night. Brother, the choir will make your hair stand up. They are awesome music. And in the middle of the service, they'll have a prayer. And they'll say, Lord, bless our pastor, wherever he may be. We would always laugh about that. The pastor wasn't there yet. They didn't know where he was. Lord, bless our pastor, wherever he may be. So spinning off that, may the Lord bless you this week and keep you. 
cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace wherever you may be. May you not be impatient. May you not be unaware. (laughs) May you not be worried, troubled, or deceived as God uses you for His glory. Amen.